This Bee Podcast Network show is presented by IXL. Loved and trusted by more than 1 million teachers, IXL enhances your teaching and takes work off your plate so you can make an even bigger impact on your students. Yeah, IXL delivers personalized learning across a comprehensive pre-K-12 curriculum, including math, language arts, science, and social studies, and helps you assess student performance through actionable, real-time insights. Strengthen daily instruction, close knowledge gaps quickly, and set every student up for success. Want to bring IXL to your school? Learn more at IXL.com forward slash B. That's IXL.com forward slash B-E. We're proud to be sponsored by MyFlex Learning. MyFlex Learning is a scheduling platform that helps middle and high schools meet the individual needs of all students. Schools can easily create and manage time for FlexBlocks. Win time, activity periods, RTI, counselor and teacher appointments, and much more. And with its built-in accountability tool and reporting features, MyFlex Learning solves your challenges around getting kids where they need to be and understanding how flex time is spent. Yeah, make your flex time work for you. Visit MyFlexLearning.com slash BE to learn more and receive $500 off the first year. That's MyFlexLearning.com slash BE. On today's show, the guys talk about ed tech trends leading into the new year and the state of Google in education. Exciting news from the East Initiative update and more. That's up next on EduTech Guys. EduTech Guys Radio, radio radio.edutechguys.com. The opinions expressed on this site is programmed for those whose participants are not intended to and do not necessarily reflect the opinions of any specific educational entity, sponsor, company, state, or government agency. Hello and welcome to EduTech Guys Radio. I'm one of your hosts, David Henderson. Hey, and I'm Jeff Madlock. Awesome. Welcome to the show. We are getting ready to wrap things up for the end of the calendar year. Christmas is quick approaching and then the new year and all that good stuff. Christmas time is here. <laughs> time for joy and cheer. There you go. Sorry, I thought I'd throw that out. Yeah, it's uh, we're um, that's it is the wrap up show, isn't it? No, it's not yet. We've still got a couple of weeks until we hit actual Christmas break for education. Yeah, <clears> that's right. If we're gonna do a wrap up show, we should. But you know, have you noticed that Christmas? <clears throat> Christmas starts about October at Walmart, <laughs> and we're on Walmart time. <laughs> well, this is the way we run things. You were thinking about it. Am I not right? It's oh, like yeah, that's, Halloween, yeah. Christmas. Poor Thanksgiving's getting knocked out of the way. It really is just being shoved out the door. I saw some turkeys, but they had they had Santa hats on and beards. So, you know, yeah. automatically it's like, nope. <laughs> that's right. That's, that's what's happening. Hey, listen, be sure to follow along with the EduTech guys on Twitter. EduTech guys on Facebook. Heck, just go out to Google, type in EduTech guys, and you will find us on the web. That's right. Head over to www.edutechguys.com, and you can drop down at the bottom of the page, find our nice little form there, and send us a message. Let us know what's happening. Or, heck, just tweet it out to us, either at edutechguys or hashtag ETGchat. Awesome. Yeah, sounds great, man. (laughs) (laughs) Don't placate me in the studio. How I'm dare not, you? I'm just saying, man. We were just saying before we came on the air, we've come to that point in our relationship. Yeah. <laughs> I'm really tired of you snoring all night. Yeah, that's right. No, but uh, hey, we uh, we actually have just come back from um, two really cool, um, well, live coverage events. Let me put it that way, because they weren't both conferences. Uh, but we were down in the San Antonio at the AESA conference. We were down there for several days, and then... Um, yesterday, as of the day we're recording this particular podcast, 
Um, but the day before this one came out, um, we uh, I was over at SAU, Southern Arkansas University in Magnolia, and I was covering the uh, the robotics exhibition that they had uh, over there. So uh, we've been traveling out and about and visiting with folks and talking with students and teachers and educators. And there's more to come. Yeah, absolutely. We'll talk about that later in the show. Absolutely. But um, yeah, listen, uh, if you would, uh, we'd like to give a big shout out to Crossbraining, crossbraining.com. They're creating an in- a universal learning community by sharing the best and most effective teaching methods and lessons through video and other technology. Crossbraining.com features several free GoPro lessons, including Fetch, where students capture video of a pet and use the footage to create an adventurous short video from their pet's perspective. So thanks to GoPro and Crossbraining for, for providing some equipment for us here on the show. And uh, as always, check out those and others out there, including uh, Buncee and all the other great apps, yeah. Flipgrid, that we like to see when we visit all these nice conferences. That's right. Exactly. Hey, and if uh, you would like to sponsor EduTech Guys, reach out to us, edutechguys.com. Fill out the form on the page there, and we will get back in touch with you ASAP. Yep. Or just write us at contact, C-O-N-T-A-C-T, at edutechguys.com, or David at edutechguys.com. <laughs> Are David at edutechguys.com or Jeff at edutechguys.com. Woo. Okay. It's all that molasses I had before I came on the air. That is. I, li- I, like, to, I like to drink a nice eight-ounce glass of molasses before I come on the That's air. right. Get those vocal cords all warmed up and ready. Cool. Woo. Hey, let's, uh, let's jump into it. So today, we were, it was funny. So some things happened here uh, in the United States this week. Um, as in December the 5th, Google threw us a curveball. Threw us a curveball, man. I mean, a lot of IT guys, especially IT guys around the country, were screaming at their Wi-Fi, tearing stuff out, changing settings, and come to find out it was Google the whole time. (laughs) Don't you love it when you are trying to troubleshoot something that you are fully convinced is your fault, and then it turns out that, no, you actually had nothing to do with it. Well, you know, in, in education, it works this way. I, this has been working great for eight months. Why would it just stop working? Yes. Yeah. yeah. And, and I guess because some of us have been in the industry so long, we remember the days when hardware and software and networks were not as reliable as they are now. So we were burned back in the day. You know, yeah, it ran great for three weeks, but then it just went for whatever reason. Right. And we blame ourselves still to this day. We think, well, it's got to be us. We've, we've got something, we've got a gremlin in the system. Yes. But yeah, this week, uh, Google kind of threw us a curveball. They pushed a bad config, and it caused all Chromebooks, all Chrome devices, I guess, pretty much, of Chrome bits, Chromebooks, you know, that kind of stuff, sure. to uh, lose its network settings. So. If you were connected to something with a passphrase, you know, like a hidden network for all your, say, 3,000 Chromebooks in your district, (laughs) they were on. It was really weird. It hit in this weird window. It was a window between 9.50 Pacific time and 11.50 Pacific time. And if if your machine was on at that time, it got the bad push. Now, if you shut down at that time also, it kept the bad push. Oh, yeah. Now, they fixed it, you know, right after that. But at that point, if you opened up, say, on the 6th, it went, huh? Yeah. I don't see nothing. And so you have to go in and join it back to a network, li- literally rejoin your Chromebook. 
So think about the implications of, of that scenario and that situation on a much larger scale, which, you know, the fact that it was Google and it was hitting Chromebooks, that's already a huge scale. I mean, you're talking about all these Chromebooks that have been rolled out in education and in the business sector. You know, as long, you know, if you were basically, if you were in a managed Chromebook situation, you got host. Oh, yeah. So, you know, and that was just, that was one you know, one configuration that got pushed out, propagated out, and shut down all these machines. Think about, I mean, think about that on a much grander scale. It it really, it's kind of scary in a way, but, you know, it, it isn't going to take much to shut everything down. I mean, yeah. you know, you could push one of those configs from Google. There could be some other config that gets pushed out by some other carrier, some other provider, and poof, you aren't doing anything anywhere. Right. Well, whatever happened, several people with personal Chromebooks found that if they were on during that time and shut down, when they got to the next place or home, their Wi-Fi didn't work either. They had to oh. re-input. So somehow, whatever the push was, whatever, however this happened, wasn't, I think, wasn't just by managed Chrome devices either. I think it was, you know. But now, here's the thing. Wow. The, the, the time lost, I mean, I happen to know of some schools. Us. <laughs> who were testing at this time. Yeah. You know, so that's a lot of downtime. That's hundreds of, no, that's thousands of hours. Yes. Of student time that was lost for a device that we were hoping would be working during that time. Right. Now, it is what it is. I mean, I, I would like someone to point out any device that they have that is 100% solid, foolproof, never goes wrong. Oh, it doesn't exist. No, it doesn't exist. So, you know, you, you get what you get. I'm not mad at Google. It's just, you know, darn you, Google. Murphy's Law, right? Just when you think. Well, I think the big, the big issue goes back to what we started at the top of the segment, and that is that you have all of these tech folks running around thinking that it's their problem until the tech folks start reaching out to other tech folks, and they're going, all of a sudden, you know, my Chromebooks just quit working, and I can't figure out what's going on. And then another one says, yeah, that kind of happened to me too. Oh, well, what Wi-Fi are you running? Oh, well, we're running Cisco. Oh, well, we've got Arrowhive. Okay, well, it's not the Wi-Fi, so, you know, what's going on? And then, of course, I'm sure Google was also trying to figure out what the fruit happened. And so while they're trying to figure it out and everybody else in the world is trying to figure it out, there's no no real communication going on as to what actually is happening. Right. And so one of those things, by the time, I, I think by the time people started figuring out what was happening, and frankly, by the time Google got got it figured out and, and did whatever they needed to do to fix that configuration problem, you know, by that point, then the best they can do is come out after the fact and say, uh, oops. I mean, there's not, it's, you know, there's yeah. nothing proactive yeah. they could do about it at that point. Sure. You know, the flip side of that is in the scheme of everything, it was basically a two hour window, which I realize in a 99.99% uptime world, that's huge. But in the scheme of life, the universe and everything, mm -hmm. eh, yeah. okay. So you lost two hours. Yeah, I agree. And you know yeah. the interesting thing they they came out with a fix for it and you know but there's the thing it's the repercussions of it though is that a lot of places we I would say 20% of our devices now had to be retouched because they did come on and they were affected True. and they didn't get the fix and so they are now going what Wi-Fi so they have right. to be manually touched like they were when they came out of the box yeah. Yeah. and and rejoin so it is the repercussions of it in man hours is 
actually pretty steep. Well, yeah, and that, and that's a very good point. I just that's thinking a very here in the point. state of Arkansas, you know, just how many man hours had to be spent today of fixing our class time hours, still man hours, had to be used to uh, to do that to get it fixed, you know, to make it better. Right. And you know, at your regular rate of say a uh, a tech guy, you know, you're talking thirty bucks an hour or more. Sure. So you're getting into the thousands of dollars. Right. Yeah, well, that's true. That's a very good point. I mean, it's all about money. I don't think Google would want to lose that kind of money. So that's interesting. But um, you know what? Uh, let's, let's take a quick second, and we'll hit a commercial, and uh, we'll be right back, at, right back after this and talk about a little trends in education leading us into the new year. We'll be right back after this. Thanks for listening to EduTech Guys. Reach out to us on Twitter at EduTech Guys. Head over to Facebook, facebook.com slash EduTech Guys. Or cruise on over to the website, www.edutechguys.com. Up next, we've got the East Initiative update from Spencer Watson. So check that bad boy out right now. Hello, everyone. I'm Spencer Watson with East Initiative. Welcome to the East Update. After school is not only entertainment company, they like sort of specialize in VR. So they are going to teach us how to use Unity and things like that, and they just saw the opportunity. That was sophomore Abigail Kennedy of Armorell High School, which is way up in northeast Arkansas, just a stone's throw from the Missouri boot heel. She's talking about a partnership students have forged with Driscoll Entertainment, a virtual reality company in Los Angeles, California. Driscoll saw a project students made in which they created videos of virtual environments used to help teach independent living skills to those with disabilities. Driscoll, seeing the potential in the idea, has partnered with the program to grow the project and take it to the next level using their VR experience. So, how does a tiny school of around 300 students surrounded by farmland in Northeast Arkansas connect with a VR company out in LA? That's the power of East, which is built on the idea of looking beyond the walls of the school for community partnerships. Sometimes you seek partners and other times they seek you. Here's sophomore Seth Fulmer. And sometimes people come to us and they express a problem and that's how we start solving with them and we try to figure it out together and that's what usually ends up making partnering. It's not always easy for students to coordinate with working professionals, but it's certainly possible. Here's senior Emma Haskins. Yeah, definitely communication is really important. If you don't communicate consistently, then you're not going to know what their schedules look like. And I would definitely also let them know about your schedule a lot because if you don't, then they're not ever going to try to work with you. So, And also just be really personable with them and they'll take you in a more Of course, sometimes the community partners students work with are the schools themselves. Eighth grader Grayson Seibert has been working with the school and the district on remodeling projects including the gym, track, library, and elementary school. Well, it's kind of easy to work with our school, within the school because you like see everyone, it's so small. So it was fairly easy to work with architecture and working with Ms. Lawrence. So it wasn't much of a problem with me, but now with like the Haven and like the other projects, it's much harder because harder, they're busy. Yes, everyone is busy, but everyone is also a nexus of connections to other people. 
Just listen to Emma talking about how connections came together to form a project to turn an abandoned structure at a defunct airbase into a museum. And then I am really close friends with the former mayor of Plyville, and he is like the director of Arkansas Airplex. Just happened to be that. I didn't even know he was that. And I called him because Miss Liz Smith told me that he was part of the project, and I was like, hey, we were wondering if we could jump on this deal, and he was like, oh my gosh, thank you so much for calling. We need help with this because it's only me and Liz right now, and this is not enough people to get this project going. So then over the next few months, we contacted Andy Canfield. He works for FedEx. He's a pilot, and he knows history like better than I've ever met anyone that does. And we contacted him and a few veterans from the Cold War, and we created a community board, and now we host board meetings every, like, two months, two or three months, and we've just done all that kind of stuff. Did you hear that? A friend who happened to be a former mayor and a director of a flight organization, and then a connection to a pilot who happened to be a history buff. From there to veterans, and then a community board. It sounds crazy, maybe, but... These kinds of connections are formed every single day in East Classrooms throughout the initiative. An interesting thing happens when you start making those connections, too. Projects grow. They evolve. They take new shape. Sometimes they get re-engineered from square one. Other times, new ideas turn into a second or third phase for a project. So for a majority of these projects, it kind of feels like there is no end, but it's not always, it's not a gloomy sentence to say, Yeah. even though we're working on it. The little victories are exciting. Like yeah. Whenever you the kind of are almost yeah. done. When you're like, like we've oh been gosh. working for three months on this emails. thing, and we beat this thing, now, now let's do the next thing. Three months on the next thing. Yeah. <laughs> but these Armorell students were quick to note that they always have backup when projects grow and expand their fellow classmates in East. Plus, like, in the East classroom, you have other students that are feeling the same as you. They're excited about the projects. They're stressing over what's going to happen with this community partner, what's going to happen when you branch out over here. And everyone feels the same way, and everybody helps with your project. Like, there's no telling how many times each of us has helped other people with something that we had no idea what to do. Partners, it turns out, aren't just found outside the school. They're found in the classroom, too. If you are interested in knowing more about the EAST initiative, from information on student projects to the professional development services we offer to educators of all kinds, please visit www.eastinitiative.org or just search for EAST initiative on social media. If you are interested in finding out how to get an EAST classroom for a school near you, please contact eastinfo at eaststaff.org. That's E-A-S-T-I-N-F-O at E-A-S-T-S-T-A-F-F dot O-R-G. Special thanks to Abigail Kennedy, Seth Fulmer, Emma Haskins, and Grayson Seibert of Armorell High School. And thanks also to their facilitator, Alicia Bell. The music you've been hearing is called Distance by Will Standridge of Little Rock Central High School. Again, I'm Spencer Watson, and that's the East Update. Ruben. Hey, we want to thank Spencer and East Initiative for bringing us that update each week. And uh, that was very interesting music. I enjoyed it tremendously. Yeah, and, uh, very cool. Thanks for the update, as always. Yeah, man. Uh, that's, a, that's, a, um, that's a really cool feature that uh, we added several podcasts ago. And uh, we've uh, thoroughly been uh, enjoying uh, Spencer's uh, interviews with other students who are a part of the East Initiative. Yeah, it really makes a, a huge, huge, huge difference. Yeah. So, 
Um, listen, uh, next up on the show, we were David and I were talking about uh, we were just at a conference, AESA, and uh, we got to talking about trends, and that conference had a very neat theme of equity and inclusion and uh, that kind of stuff. And so it was a very, very interesting conference, and there was mm-hmm. some great stuff being talked about. But, you know, we've been doing this a long time, and the trends in education are, and as we're about to finish up 2017 and start a new year, it's not a new school year, but it's a new year. So we kind of work in both realms. We work in the year round, as in, you know, January to December. Right. And we work in the school year. So I thought it'd be kind of interesting just to just to briefly hit on here before we get off the air um, about the trends that we've seen this year. And to me, some of the biggest trends are some of the trends that have been building steam. <laughs> steam. <laughs> I see what you did there. You like that? I did. So, you know, 3D printing, uh, steam, science, technology, education, arts, and mathematics, and then STEM. So that's the people without the arts. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> the, the people with no talent. Uh, no, that's the science, technology, engineering, and mathematics. Yeah. And then, uh, but this is the one. So uh, makerspaces, everybody's still talking makerspaces. And I'd like to give a shout out to East by saying, you know, they're the original. They're the OG. They're the goats of makerspace. You know, they were doing it before it was called the makerspace. Yeah, yeah, I mean. That's all. That's what East was. I mean, it's more than that. East is way more than just a makerspace. Mm-hmm. But they had all the trappings of a makerspace plus some. Yeah, they were, on you steroids. know. Well, yeah, and and what's I don't know, you know, and we and we like to um we like to pat East on the back a lot because first of all, I mean, it started here in Arkansas. Um, but also because, and, and when we say they were, you know, kind of, the, as Jeff says, the OG, um, East started back in, I don't know, Le- 90s. Mid, mid to late 90s. Yeah. yeah. I mean, holy cow. I remember going to the first one in Greenbrier. Yeah. I, I remember traveling there with my superintendent to look at it. And those kids were doing some amazing things. And that's before they had real fun. I mean, that was when they were, oh, start this project. You know, yeah. this is going to be the East project. And they started kind of trying to get other schools to jump on board. And, uh, you know, green that's where it started, was in right. Greenbrier. And uh, they were coding then. I remember, because back in the day, we had that beautiful old DOS interface, well, the IBM interface for AppScan. Mm-hmm. And some kids there had written a GUI. And at that point, the AppScan people, or whoever was whoever ran that or owned it, said, cease and desist. Oh, yes. But it was because their secretaries always said, we always had a hard time. You, know, you had to hit three, and you had to know these keystrokes to get back and forth. Yeah. And so the kids built a GUI interface at Greenbrier for AppScan, and it was was glorious in all of its Windows 95, 98 beauty. But, I mean, it's still, <laughs> but you still, know, it I was mean, beautiful. Right. But they were actually hit with a cease and desist. Um, but that just shows the tenacity of students in environments like East or a yep. makerspace or a, a really – progressive coding program or are the other ones since you were just there at, at Southern Arkansas University yeah. yesterday for the ro- robotics has now caught back on and it's huge but you know we can I think we can thank DARPA and their killer robots for that because that's <laughs> <laughs> but you know I mean think about it we're seeing robotics now robotics in industry have been a mainstay for a long time sure sure and no but it never came no one ever really looked at its practicality probably because of price um, you know, to right, build such right. a thing. And because of the price to hire someone that knew robotics, you know, hydraulic robotics. Or, but, you know, robots have been building cars and refrigerators and painting and doing all kinds of stuff for a long time. Right. But now, I mean, I have I have a robot at my house that vacuums my floor. Right, right. 
Yeah. Well, and and uh, a group of the students that were there yesterday, they built uh, a robot to play the ukulele. Yeah, what the I heck? mean, holy cow. And and is that a I mean, is that necessarily a a practical thing, you know, to develop? Well, actually, yeah, uh, I mean, you know, if you look at it from their perspective. Now, uh, these were I think maybe second or third graders. No, no, these are older than this. No, no, no. Um, they were. I they think, weren't past six because that school only goes. I think to they were grade. fifth and sixth graders, okay. um, and and so they were assigned. The only the only assignment they had was that they had to come up with a uh, a solution for a problem for folks traveling to Mars, and the problem they came up with was that um, people were not going to be able to get um, radio. In, on Mars, they're not going to be able to get radio signals and, and receive radio stations to hear music. So their solution was to come up with a robot that would play the ukulele. Oh, that's interesting. I mean, and they de- they developed the entire thing from scratch. They had they had nothing. They had a box of parts. That's awesome. And then actually they had to go and find other parts and make other stuff. And so they they created this robot. And they, that's one of the things they were talking about was. You know they had to work as a team, and that's what I, that's one of the things that I love about uh, if if a maker environment is done correctly, then you get into this this collaborative team building um, environment where you have certain people, and their job is to design the robot. In this particular case, um, you had other folks that were they were the ones who were in charge of programming the robot as it was being built, and vice versa. I mean, this is kind of all happening sort of at the same time. Mm-hmm. And they said one of the one of the biggest challenges they had was getting the robot um, to uh, spin at the right uh, at the right speed and the uh, height in order to be able to hit the strings that would strike the ukulele. You know, because I don't know how many strings the ukulele has. Four. So there you go. So ukulele's got four strings. Well, you can't just have the robot hitting the same string all the time, right? Right. 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 And so it's it's got to be able to move and adjust. And um, at this point, they said that uh, it doesn't play an actual song per se, or at least a song we would recognize. But that is the next phase. It's yeah. It's it's composing its own music. That seems scary. That's right. Um, But they are actually you know looking at figuring out how to take a song and convert it into uh, whatever the programming needs mm-hmm. for the robot to be able to convert that into playing the ukulele. Right. They're going to find that MIDI is what they're looking for. The, the language already exists. See, MIDI, True. MIDI is a trigger is a triggering device. True. So that's right. probably all, they'll figure that out on their own. Right. But now, it, just to roll it into it, you know, I was going to say that makes me think. You know, it's true. If I'm on Mars and I'm out in my rover, I've got these giant gloves on and stuff. I can't pick my ukulele. <laughs> I need my ukulele <laughs> robot going along with me to play me some tunes while I'm rovering across well, Mars. That's exactly. <laughs> Exactly right. Yeah. Now, that was also the group, I think, that uh, had the drones. Uh, I was telling Nate about this. There's a good doc about this earlier. They had the drones that could fly up and see blight in trees from the top down. Mm-hmm. They were talking, that was the same group that was of kids, well, same team of kids, right. or, or you know, school, I think. Yeah. But th- that takes us to the next thing, drones. But sure. that takes us to the next thing that's really big that schools, only certain schools had the funding to do in the past, and that was uh, video. Yeah. I mean, you know, video audio production is now, you know, you can do it with one iOS device for that matter. Right. I'm sorry. Exactly. I should should say Android or iOS. Any any cell phone can put titles and make video Mm -hmm. and you can edit it. I mean, but we didn't have that ability in schools in the past. 
And to right. rebroadcast was next to impossible. Right. And yeah. so that's a trend that I see, you know, in communication that's going to build. I, 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 I hate to say this, and this I'll just be the one to say it. 3D printing. Well, I will tell you, I got into a conversation with a teacher yesterday about 3D printing and, and good, bad, or, good, good, bad, or ugly. We, we were on the same page, okay? Um, and, and I say it that way because sometimes it's fun to get into a debate with someone who doesn't necessarily agree with you. But uh, we were on the same page as far as 3D printing. If the students are, first of all, solving a problem that they know exists – and those students design and develop the, um, the, the, the layout and the algorithms and, and everything else that goes into printing, you know, 3D printing the solution to the problem that they see, and they are doing all the work, I'm all for 3D printing. But when you have certain instructors who, to them, 3D printing is having the student go out to a site where you can download one of a gazillion prefabricated plans and you upload it into the printer, you didn't do anything different than jumping out to a website that has a coloring page and you downloaded the coloring page or excuse me, had the student download the coloring page and print it out that there's nothing to that. And it's the same thing with 3d. The difference is you now have a 3d coloring page instead yeah. of a, you know, a, yeah. so as long as the students are the ones behind the development I'm all for 3D printing. Kevin, you know, we had the same conversation with Kevin. He mm -hmm. agreed with us. You know, you're exactly right, and, and that's <laughs> that, that brings me to the old thing. I'm going to make myself a bowl of cereal. No, you're going to pour yourself right. a bowl of cereal because yes. you're not making the cereal. Yes. You know, you're not refining, and that's, you're right. That's where yeah. we are. Uh, you, know, that, that's a, you know, when I was a kid, my mother would say, make your bed. Well, I don't have to make it. I already have a bed. Yeah. I just have to, you know, put the sheets on. And, and, <laughs> exactly. You know. You know, I, I, I have to I have to dress it perhaps I don't know what the other word would be but you know it is that but that's exactly right you know you would get that from not, your father you smart <laughs> <laughs> I do really actually I smack you at the back but, of my uh, hand <laughs> but yeah you know um, you you look at things that students are doing um, with robotics and drones and coding um, maker spaces all of that stuff and I, I think that is definitely um, a trend that is. Uh, evolving, it is, um, and, and 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 also in, in addition to evolving, um, I believe it's also um, I think it's also having a much clearer definition. Um, you know, one of the problems that you have with a lot of things like PBL and makerspace, and you know, different people interpret that to mean different things, and and I think folks are finally sort of finding that center that says. This is ideally this is what your makerspace should be about, mm -hmm. um, you know, not just downloading a program off the internet and you know or, or a three D pattern and printing it out. That's not you're not making right, you know? right. And that's one. And, and we sort of touched on this uh, several episodes ago. That's one of the problems I have with some of these prefab robot kits. I, I'm just going to say this. There's a kit out now that is like the an R2D2, R2D2. yeah, and it's you selling know, heavily. It is selling heavily. Why? Because it's Star Wars. It's popular, and it air quotes here lets students build robot. No, it it lets students put assemble pieces. A robot. Yeah, yeah, that yes, 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 yes. That's it exactly. Yes, let it lets assemble. it lets your it lets your children assemble a robot. Might as well buy them a Kia furniture. 
Uh, yes, yes, that's exactly. That's right. That's right. We are. We are. It, when not done correctly, we are creating folks who are going to make right. great assembly line people that we don't need because now we have robots, robots that already do, do that. It. We so, need people to yeah. program. And, and the interesting <laughs> thing is, if you assemble a Kia what? wrong, if you assemble a Kia wrong, it will come alive and kill you. That's what I've heard. <laughs> yeah, it happened to my uncle. Ah, it wasn't pretty. IKEA. 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 Man, you put me together wrong. IKEA. So, so anyway, that's some trends. We are I, stupid. You know, coming into the end of the year, that's some trends I see. And David and I. So you can catch us live. The next place we're going to be is we'll be at Fetzy. Yeah, man, in Orlando from January twenty second until the twenty sixth. Yeah, we're going to be there a long time. We're going to be there a long time. We'll be uh, broadcasting live from radio.edutechguys.com. And uh, you talk about talking about trends and seeing the trends that are happening in education around the United States. That's the place that we're going to be seeing them at. So uh, we'll be sending a lot from there. If you want to catch us, remember just radio.edutechguys.com. And you'll see a lot of tweets coming out about that pretty soon. A lot of tweets. A lot of tweets. Heads on fire. Got a lot of tweets. Um, Listen, uh, we're going to wrap this bad boy up and – Get in the old Edutech mobile and head on back to the Edutech. Edutech. The Edutech. The Edutech guys cave. Oh boy! And uh, do all that kind of good stuff. No Google tip of the week this week. Uh, the Google tip of the week this week is: make sure you check your configs. That you're yeah, that's to right. Wi-Fi. That's right. Our tip is to Google. Yeah. <laughs> hey, don't forget to renew that SSL certificate, Google. No. <laughs> but um, hey, listen, uh, I'm Jeff. I'm David. And we'll catch you next time on the EduTech Guys. You've been listening to EduTech Guys Radio, radio.edutechguys.com. The opinions expressed on this site is programmed for those with participants and not intended to and do not necessarily reflect the opinions of any specific educational entity, sponsor, company, state, or government agency. There are lots of solutions out there for giving students what they need when they need it. But do they actually do all those things? You need flexible time. When added into your master schedule, flex time enables students to get extra help or intervention, meet with teachers, make up work, get physical exercise, and try new enrichment offerings. If you're thinking of giving it a try, check out My Flex Learning, which unlocks the benefits of flex time without the common challenges. Its intuitive design and SIS integration makes implementation and training a breeze. Make your flex time work for you. Visit myflexlearning.com forward slash BE to learn more and receive $500 off your first year. That's myflexlearning.com forward slash BE. Do you want to save time on prep work? Increase achievement for all student populations? Reliably meet tier one standards? You You can can do do it it all, all, but but don't waste another minute. Head straight to IXL.com slash BE to learn how IXL's research-proven teaching and learning platform can help you achieve all these goals. That's IXL.com forward slash BE.